there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Spots. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And today we are patriotic and... We're, we're feeling the love for our country today because we're recording this on November 7th and it has officially been confirmed that Joe Biden has won the election and that he will be our new president. <laughs> No matter what the fuck Trump has to say about it. He's going to barricade himself in the Oval Office, people. And he's going to throw himself on the floor and cry (laughs) and whine. All Rudy Giuliani wanted was a pair of binoculars. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, sex with an underage girl, according to Borat, too. But we're not going to talk about that right now. What we're here to talk about is the movie we watched. Yes. Which I think is very appropriate for for this momentous day yeah. it's a movie entitled god bless america which came out in 2011 written and directed by bobcat goldthwaite <laughs> of and, all people and if you have heard that name before hey he's kind of become a good director in recent years but yes. he's also very well known for a comedy and B, being the guy with the weird voice in Police Academy movies. Yes, insert weird voice here. What are you, a nut? I'm a vegetarian! He's had some momentous roles in some, some films like Police Academy. He also was Pain in the Disney Hercules movie. That's true, he was the Pain. And uh, also, f- to reference one of our reviews that we did last year... He had a uh, supporting role in the movie Scrooge, which we did one of our That's right. first he, Christmas uh, reviews. That's true. He was the down-on-his-luck guy who got fired and then yes. <laughs> tried to kill Bill Murray. Yes. I um, see nothing has changed. Yeah. He, he's a, a pretty well-known comedian. I was doing research on him just to see like what his career has been like, and he's he's got a lot of interesting little nuggets in his career. For example... Did you know that he performed stand-up in 93 as an opening act for Nirvana's last North American tour? That's actually pretty interesting. So that's pretty, yeah. It's, I've never heard of like a comedian opening up for a, a band like that. It's like interesting. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing. I know the man's had a very eccentric career. Yeah. He, I mean, he's directed a lot of TV and comedy specials and obviously independent films like the one we're discussing today but before he started doing films he was actually directing the jimmy kimmel show for about two years right and then he left to pursue directing films yeah Yeah. so scott how did you feel about this movie god bless america it's a loaded question a little bit i can understand that continue a, because I know it's satire. I know it's trying yes. to satire the world that we are in and the craziness and how shitty the world can be and how that could drive somebody mad. I get the satire here. But we're also watching this movie in 2020. Right. And it's hard to separate that in my mind at this moment because like, the climax of this movie feels very hard to wrap my head around it's the two main characters are very hard to wrap my head around too yes here here's the tea this movie it satirizes a lot of like 
the underbelly of pop culture and like reality television and just like general greed and selfishness throughout American society. And I watched this movie years ago. I was like a teenager when this movie came out. I remember liking it okay and appreciating the satire back then, but a lot of the satire that's prevalent in this movie is still prevalent today, but the country has evolved and I guess some arguments can be made that it's devolved a little bit. So it's, it's still relevant, but in ways it's not. And because of that, you kind of see the cracks in the satire a little bit. But I still think overall it's a good movie. I think the satire at times, a lot of times, is kind of beating you over the head. Oh, yeah. It gets very heavy-handed very quickly. Yeah. And it's, you know, a little kind of spoon-fed to you as an audience member. But I do appreciate and respect the intention behind it. And I do also like the relationship between the two main characters, despite the fact that they are both incredibly flawed and fucked up. Oh, yeah, they are very flawed. I I still appreciated the relationship and the writing throughout. This actually does remind me of another movie to an extent. I don't know if you've seen this movie, uh, Natural Born Killers. I know of it, but I haven't seen it. It's another movie about kind of a fucked up duo going on a fucking murder spree, basically. That one's starring Woody Harrelson. But yeah, this one is... Yeah, it's it's tough to wrap your head around it. Just because, again, the time frame we live in and all the shit that has gone down. Like when this movie came out, what did you say? 2011. 2011. This movie came out in 2011. I would say this world has kind of... From what's happened from 2011 to now, it makes this movie a harder watch. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this movie is kind of poking at our society in regards to pop culture. And like I said, reality TV and stuff like that. And it's like you watch it now after everything that's happened in this country from 2011 to now. And it's like, you know, that shit is just like chump change compared to the fucking bullshit this country has gone through. So it's it's kind of weird watching it now. Not not bad necessarily, no. but just weird watching yeah. it because yeah. it, it makes such a big deal about, you know, spoiled society and you know this this generation of you know twitter and and pop culture and american idol and reality shows and it's like okay yeah that's fucked in itself but like we're over that now like it's a society like we're on to bigger and badder things in society these days well yeah we're in we're into much bigger and badder things but also you look at what the two main characters do Throughout the movie, you kind of, like, if you compare them to, like, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde are not good people. Right. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't think these two are good people no, really I, either. I think they want to think that they're good people and they're better than everybody else, but I, I don't think they're any better or worse than anybody else. No, I and I don't think so either, but Bonnie and Clyde robbed banks. They even said it. Yes. Well, I'm Miss Bonnie Parker, and this here's Mr. Clyde Barrow. We rob banks. So you have an easier time liking them. 
Well, I mean, I don't know about that. They did kill people. They did kill people eventually. And they kill people too. I mean, it's the same. Essentially, it's the same thing as Bonnie and Clyde where you have these people that objectively are very bad people, but they paint a sympathetic picture of them in a way. I, I guess, yeah. But I guess because the when Bonnie and Clyde did kill, finally start killing people, A, the first kill seemed to be very much accidental. Yeah, I guess. Or like, it, you know, spur of the moment. While well, these two aimed to kill. Right. Digress. I'm getting ahead there, of myself. There are, there are similarities and differences. But uh, the reason I wanted to show you this movie now at this time that we're in is because I haven't seen it in a while. I did want to experience myself the difference in watching it from a teenager living in that time where the satire was very prevalent and looking at it now as a bit more of a mature adult. I definitely did have, I think, a, a different viewpoint of it. Yeah, I can definitely see that because you've actually been trying to get me to watch this for quite a while. Yes. It's weird because as a teenager when I saw this movie, I remember liking it and I still like it, but... I think watching it now, I recognize a lot more of the hypocrisies of it in the characters. And, you know, I, I think I just have a more mature viewpoint of it, which is weird. But, you know, who who would have thought I'd be a mature adult someday? <laughs> this movie premiered at the 2011 Toronto Film Festival. Very indie, underground film. I feel like no one who fucking listens to this is going to really know what we're talking about. But that's okay. It's it's going to be fine, guys. <laughs> I'm broadening your horizons a little bit. But the film wasn't really well received. I mean, it, it's not horribly received. It's got a, a 65 and a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not terrible, but then again, not great either. And the film only made like just under $400,000. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely, again, not a movie that I'm sure a lot of people have even heard of. But then again, we thought that about a few other movies in the past when we've done the show. And then it turns out a lot of people know the movie. So maybe I'll be wrong, but... I think it's worth watching because it it is kind of a weird snapshot of how life was in, you know, the 2010s and like... Especially early on. Right. It's it's so weird because I remember watching this movie when I was younger and thinking, oh, this is so cool. It's so edgy. It's attacking society. But it's like, dude, like, you don't even know how bad it's going to (laughs) get. Like, this is nothing. You think it's bad because, you know, the judges on American Idol make fun of the weird contestants that can't sing. I mean, it is bad, but like, oh, we're past that now. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've moved way past American I mean, it, Idol bullshit. Yeah, they don't even do that anymore. They, like, don't show the bad contestants anymore, ever. Probably because they got a lot of shit for right. it after a while. Because, yeah, it was fucked up. But you also look at people like... uh William Hung. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby, but she moves, she moves. I go crazy because she looks like a flower, but she sings like a bee. Like every girl in history. Who 
kind of made a career. I think he has three CDs. Yeah. All God. because he was on American Idol. I mean, but that's all reality TV is. But it's just, you know, you don't really have to be good or bad at anything. You just have to be entertaining. And that's what a reality TV basically is well, in every aspect. But... I feel like people are so used to that now. Like, there's such a an oversaturation in the market of reality TV. Well, yeah. Remember when it used to just be, like, real world and road rules? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But well, now, I mean, you can turn your head and there's, like, there's 50 singing shows. There's 50 competition shows. There's, uh, you know, pregnant there's, at 16. Yeah. There's all that bullshit. And it's like, okay, uh, we uh, get it. We're exploiting people. But, like whatever we've we're just so used to it now maybe that's what it is it's not that we're over it it's just like we're so used to it yeah we've become desensitized yeah. to everything at this like, point like nobody bats an eye like fucking tiger king nobody batted an eye at that you're taking these people that are like abusing animals you take this woman who you think has fucking killed her husband and, and she's on dancing with the stars and yeah and they put her on dancing with like it's just like running the me- and no one is surprised by any of that shit you know what i mean it's just it's just what it is now. I think that's why it's weird watching this movie because you, you go back in time to a, a a point in our society where like pop culture being exploitative and reality TV was such a big fucking to do, and it's like nobody fucking cares anymore. <laughs> we got bigger fish to fry, sir. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna try. Or I'm gonna at least have to try and separate. The satire from today. Because that's the thing that's so hard to do sometimes with movies. Especially older movies. Because it's a different time. 2011 is such a different time from now. It's ridiculous almost. It really is weird. Like you think, oh, the 80s were such a different time than 90s. 2010 to 2020 has been such a crazy time frame. It's been a wild ride, bro. That I... I almost don't know what to say about it. it There's such different, like... Yeah. It's, it's true. It's definitely true. All right. So I, I think we're ready to get in the nitty gritty yeah. of this here. So we start this movie with our main character, Frank, played by Joel Murray. And he... I, I looked through his IMDb. I don't personally recognize him from anything. But he, according to IMDb, had a supporting role on the show Mad Men. He also voiced one of the supporting characters in um, Monsters University. So this guy has a burgeoning career. Um, (laughs) But he is a middle-aged gentleman and he's lying in bed in the dark alone just monologuing about his shitty neighbors. Yes. His obnoxious shitty neighbors and they're like next door paper thin walls you know and they're yelling and watching tv and just being obnoxious and they have this baby that just keeps crying and frank is essentially monologuing about how annoying and obnoxious they are he fantasizes about killing them (laughs) they do not care that i suffer from debilitating migraines and insomnia they do not care that i have to go to work or that i want to kill them i know it's not normal to want to kill but I also know that I am no longer normal. Yeah, there's a point where in his he has a dream sequence about it. Yes. And the mother lifts up the baby 
and he fucking shoots the baby in like mid in the air. Yeah, I would say that's the goriest point of this movie. Yeah, I would say because there's a lot of uh, blood splatter here and there, but I, I I would say no other point in this movie is as gory as that point in the movie. Yeah, I would say it's the blood because there's a there's quite a body count in this movie. But the blood isn't necessarily gory. It's just kind of like splatter and that's yeah. it. Like it's it's nothing too hairy. But this sequence is pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, fuck, he shot a baby. Um, and the mother is like bathed, in, like covered in blood. Yeah, she looks like straight out of the fucking carry. Yeah, it's pretty uh fucked up. But after that dream sequence... We get a, a a whole stint of Frank just sitting on the couch because he's a bit of an insomnia. He has headaches and he can't sleep. So he's in front of the TV all night just flipping through the channels. Uh, he, he flips through like all, all the shows that he's watching are based on real TV shows and things, but they're not like they're. Yeah. parodied versions of it essentially so we TMC have like becomes tmi yeah we have a bad girls club type show we have uh the american idol ripoff which i think was called america's superstars yes oh and we get a, a bill o'reilly type right-wing news guy spewing bullshit about free speech and, and fear-mongering and the usual bullshit right before he falls asleep on the couch He's watching this documentary type crime show about America's first spree killer. And I thought that was interesting and he falls asleep watching the show. So I thought maybe there's there could be an argument for some kind of conspiracy theory about this movie that maybe everything that happens after this is a dream. Okay, yeah, I guess. You could make the argument, I think. Yeah, you definitely could, I guess, make that argument. I don't know if I would. Cause... I don't know if it really matters, but... <laughs> yeah. Well... But there are some kind of logical inconsistencies in the movie. A couple that you brought up, in particular, that we'll, 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 we'll touch on as we go through. But I think because of that, you could make the argument that everything that happens after this point doesn't really happen. Maybe. Who knows? Who cares? But anyway. <laughs> so we're starting to focus in on Frank's life, and Frank's life sucks. Yeah, he, again, has these shitty neighbors that this fucking guy, uh, he always parks his car, like, too close to Frank's car so he can't get out to go to his shitty job. So in the next day you see him go out of his apartment and knock on the guy's door and say hey you blocked me in and he's acting like an asshole i just wanted to mention though the the guy that plays the shitty neighbor you got your bingo cards out people the actor's name is travis wester and i knew him immediately because get ready for it guys he was in supernatural <laughs> x marks the spot baby he played Harry in Supernatural who is half of the amazing duo in the show called the Ghost Facers. Ghost Facers. Fun fact, 
actually, it's only a fun fact if you're me. But anyway, fun fact. <laughs> Travis Wester, his character in this movie is named Ed. And in Supernatural, the other half of the Ghost Facer duo, the ca- that character's name is Ed. Ah. So <laughs> in Supernatural, his best friend's name is Ed. And in this movie, he plays an Ed. It's like, yeah. They're it's, the same person. It's funny. Only to me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after Frank gets in his car and gets out and goes to work in his shitty cubicle office job, he has a whole conversation with his cubicle mate about how, basically about how shitty everything is. Because... The night before, one of the shows that he was watching was the American Idol ripoff where they have uh, basically a ripoff of a William Hung or really any other, you know, flash in the pan, bad American Idol contestant. He's clearly mentally challenged in some way and he sings really bad and the judges make fun of him. Yeah, you get the Simon Cowell who's like, You have one of the worst voices I've ever heard, truthfully. It is absolutely terrible. You can't sing. Throughout the next day, everyone's talking about it. It's like this big thing. It's on Good Morning America. Right. And And he's driving this car. It's on the radio of them talking about it. Right. And Frank is talking to this co-worker about all this stuff. And this is really the, the first big instance of, okay, this is a satire film and we're going to beat you over the head with this satire with this big satire bat and it's just going to keep going and going and going and going and the thing is I recognize that and it's a little like ugh okay we get it but I do like the writing like he there's a few times where Bobcat Goldthwait he does write out these kind of almost it does seem like kind of stand-up-ish type monologue monologues and they are well written yeah but as far as delivering a message to an audience you're basically just putting it on a silver platter and saying here guys take a full helping of bullshit and it's like okay we get it yeah it's it's if you ever watched like russian slap fighting it's like that. <laughs> it's like the big guy smacking oh, you across the face. Doesn't everyone watch Russian slap fighting? Hey, it's on Facebook. I'm pretty sure a lot more oh, people have seen it. Well, than if it's on not. Facebook, then I mean, we're just basically buying into the fucking satire of this movie right now. Anyway, <laughs> he gets called into the boss's office after this little tirade with the coworker, and the boss is like, "Hey, um, did you send flowers to this?" secretary woman Karen I think the name was Karen which is kind of funny but uh, (laughs) he's like oh yeah she said she was having a bad day so I sent her flowers to her house which is kind of creepy admittedly I mean it's a nice gesture it's not meant to be creepy but it's a little like okay and the HR guy's like well how did you get her address and he's like oh I looked it up in the system in the computer system and he's like that is a no no Uh, you're fired yeah (laughs) This is the one thing, like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. You can't look at the the woman's address. You can't yeah, do that. Like, but it's, like, it's meant to come across like, oh, come on. Why would you fight? He was just trying to do a nice thing. But it's like... It's mm, it's creepy. No, it's a little inappropriate. It, yeah, like, <laughs> if you want to do something nice for her, or, like, pay for her lunch, or... Yeah, or just, like, you know, do, do something nice. Like, ask her to go out for coffee you, or something. Like you but, were like, all- if you go into the system of your work and look up her address... 
like that's Stalker. an invasion of privacy, harassment. Yes. So you, you feel bad because you know he's a nice guy and he didn't mean to do anything wrong, but like it's still wrong. So yeah, yeah you get fired. Uh, sucks for you. <laughs> yeah, it sucks for him. He gets a call from his ex-wife who tells him his daughter doesn't want to see him and his daughter is a spoiled, rotten brat. Yeah, she essentially is the amalgamation of what our society is doing to young kids. It's making them selfish and all about sticking their nose in technology and pop culture and not caring about school, not caring about family, or just Frank says like, oh, well, we can do fun stuff together. We can go to the park. We can go to the zoo. And she's like, I don't want to do that. I just want to play my game. I'm almost at the next level. It's all that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, they have a conversation later uh, that the ex-wife bought her a BlackBerry instead of the new iPhone. Right. Yeah. And she's like, I want a new iPhone. So after Frank gets fired, we cut to him going to a doctor's appointment uh presumably to figure out what's going on with his headaches because he gets really bad migraines and whatnot and the doctor is telling him that he has a an inoperable brain tumor and this scene was like a little too a little too much for me a lot of this movie is a little too much with its messaging but this scene was like, okay, this is like ridiculous now. As the doctor is explaining to this patient that you have an inoperable brain tumor that's going to eventually kill you, his cell phone is ringing constantly, which wouldn't happen. He then answers the phone and starts yelling at some random person, screaming obscenities into the phone. I'm going to come down to the dealership and I'm going to fuck you in the ass. You understand? I'm going to come down there. I'm going to rip your cock off. I'm going to shove it right up. No, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to tear the cock off of that giant purple gorilla and shove that up your ass. That would never happen in a million. I don't care how shitty of a doctor you are. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Well, yeah, he was talking about uh how he wanted the car with the moonroof and not the regular car. And you're like, "Oh, fuck, man." So, Frank goes home and he continues to just watch more trash tv and get like more and more depressed essentially he starts watching this parody of the show my super sweet 16 which if you've never watched that that was on mtv like a million years ago and it was awful (laughs) just just awful yeah and frank grabs a gun he's got like hidden away on the shelf and he looks like he's gonna go blow his brains out and he finally as he's watching this show he finally goes you know what? He takes the gun out of his mouth and he, he has a bit of an epiphany. He goes out in the middle of the night, steals the obnoxious neighbor's sports car, <laughs> which is a really obnoxious yellow sports car. Yeah, it's a Camaro, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but that car would definitely, definitely have a low jack on it. Right, and he drives his car around through the majority of the rest of the film, which is, I think, a point in the this is all a dream category, but that's just me. So he takes the car and he drives to this school of this teen girl from the show. Her name is Chloe and she's a real cunt. (laughs) Frank goes up to Chloe in her car 
and he has the gun and he's holding it on her and he handcuffs her to the steering wheel of the car and he attempts to blow up the car by like doing a Molotov cocktail basically in the gas tank but he fucks that up and people start like coming over as she's screaming for help so Frank decides oh fuck it and he takes out his gun and just shoots her in the head in the car and runs away (laughs) it's one of those things as she's handcuffing her too she's screaming well they just got me the wrong car I wanted an Escalade so you could just steal this one I'm like, dude, what the fuck? It's it's over the top and it's messaging. Let's put it that way. Uh, so he gets back to his car and there's this girl who flipped him off before and he goes, did you just kill Chloe? And he's like, uh, and he runs away and she's like, cool. <laughs> and now we cut to later. Frank is in a motel room and he's about to kill himself again. He's He's about to end it all. And he gets a knock at the door. And who do you think it is? It's the girl from before who was quite impressed with Frank's murdering skills. This is our second main character of the film, Roxy, played by Tara Lynn Barr. She was like 17, 18 at the time of this film. She was nominated for a Young Artist Award for Lead Actress in a feature film but she lost to not one, but two actresses. It was actually tied that year for the for the winner. She lost to Kavenza A. Wallace for Beast of the Southern Wild, who I think was nominated for an Oscar she also was. that year. And uh, Catherine Newton for Paranormal Activity 4. <laughs> Fuck that series. And fun fact, Catherine Newton is also in Supernatural. <laughs> oh, come on! I have all the supernatural knowledge, okay? I think we got the gist of that by now. Double you shouldn't mark, be surprised. Double mark that bingo double, square. Double bingo, guys. But yeah, so this movie really was not uh, acknowledged at all by, by critics, which is unfortunate. I mean, is it the best movie in the world? No. But I think the two main characters do a good job acting-wise. They do. At first, she agrees. She's like, I want to watch you kill yourself. Yeah, she, it's a little weird. Which was kind of out of nowhere. But she she gives off the vibes like, listen, I don't give a fuck about anything. You're, you're pissing away an opportunity here to kill people that actually deserve to die and, and make a difference in the world. And eventually, she does convince him not to kill himself. Frank explains that he only wants bad people to die. Roxy's like, I totally agree. Let's start with Chloe's parents. So they they do just that. They go to Chloe's house. Frank leaves her in the car and is like, wait here. I'll be back. He goes in their house and pushes himself in with the gun, you know. And fun fact, the guy who plays Chloe's dad is Larry Miller. Yes, he is. Who is quite the character actor. If you see this guy, you'll know exactly who he is. He often plays villain in in movies. He was in 10 Things I Hate About You, Nutty Professor, Princess Diaries. I look like a moose. Yes, but a very cute moose. Make all the boy moose go. He's been in a million things. But Frank pushes himself into the house. He ends up shooting Larry Miller. And the mother starts this elaborate run around. Yeah, like, and the, the gun jams, so he like loses her as she's running throughout the house. Right before she's about to escape, Roxy bursts in through the side door and just stabs her with a kitchen knife. 
And he's like, I told you to stay in the car. And she's like, you're fucking welcome. I kept her from running away. Uh, uh, it was even great because at one point, right before he shoots the father, the mother goes, we're Chloe's parents. Oh, yeah, we were on TV. Like, oh, my God. Go away. <laughs> we have money. Yeah, the father offers money. She says, oh, we're Chloe's parents. You don't want to kill us. And he's like, I fucking killed your daughter, you idiots. Like, shut the fuck up. So after all this, Roxy and Frank leave. And Roxy's like, okay, so where are we going to go next? Like, what's what's next? And Frank's like, no, no, no. There's no we here. Like, we're not. Yeah. This isn't what we're doing. And Roxy explains, like, listen, I I have nowhere to go. I have no family that gives a shit about me. My mom is a crack whore and my stepdad is a rapist who sexually abuses me every night. Boy, that escalated quickly. And yeah, I know. It's fucking heavy, bro. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. She's like, I want to go with you and I want to join your killing spree. And Frank's like, all right, fine. So they go to a thrift store to look for a new set of clothes because all their clothes are covered in blood you know because of the killing yeah (laughs) while they're in the store roxy and frank have this interaction where she asks frank if he's attracted to her or if he if he if he thinks she's ugly and frank is very pragmatic in saying like I'm not going to answer that question. You're a child. Like, I'm not attracted to you because you're a child. Like, that's not appropriate. I'm 40 and you're 16. Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to be responsible for your self-esteem. Like, that's not... I'm not doing that. And she's like, ah, fuck you. I just wanted you to say if I'm pretty or not. I could tell you were worried that you were like, oh, no. Are they going to try and make them a couple at some point? Like, I thought you were getting worried about that. Well, yeah, because... Again, this movie does bring up Woody Allen. This does bring up R. Kelly. Because she says, oh, all guys want young girls. And Frank's like, "Uh, no, that's not true at all. Fuck that. Fuck assholes like R. Kelly and Woody Allen who go after children. Which, I mean, uh, true. Fuck those guys. (laughs) So, yeah. But it's, it's, it's weird because, yeah, she's like, I just want you to tell me I'm pretty. But she does mention being his girlfriend. Yes, it's she's she's a very immature girl. Like she she makes the argument, "Oh, I'm I'm old for I'm mature for my age." And it's weird that was one of the differences for me because I feel like because I was a teenager, maybe I I felt like I connected somewhat to Roxy as a character, but watching it as an adult, I'm like, "Oh, you're very immature." You're a very immature little girl. Like we, when we were in high school, I knew a girl who was 18 who was going out with a guy who was like 35, and I'm like, yeah, there's something like it's 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 yucky. I'm like, yeah, you're technically old enough to make your own decision here, but it's yucky. But it's not good. <laughs> so after that little spat between them, uh, they they do make up soon after, and they go to the movies. They sit in the theater. And, of course, some obnoxious teenagers are sitting behind them being loud and obnoxious. And Scott and I connected with this particular scene very much because we, obviously, pre-COVID, used to go to the movies a lot. And we would get unlucky sometimes with certain people who didn't really respect the movie theater going experience. Let's put it that way. We went to see 
Joker in theaters. Which was really scary. We went really late at night. And yeah. it was it was yeah, a it was, really it was scary experience. Very we got very into the mood, but we got a little bit out of the mood <laughs> when the people next to us were being annoying. Yeah, they literally were sitting there playing with their cups during the entire movie. I kept wanting to turn to them and be like, Stop. Stop fucking around with your goddamn empty cup and just watch the goddamn movie. But you know I didn't pull people, a Frank here. But Oh uh, <laughs> no, we certainly did not. So <laughs> As the the teenagers are being annoying, and there's also another guy in the theater who is talking to presumably his his wife or his girlfriend and saying like, "Oh no, I'm at work right now. I'm swamped. I can't come home. You, you have to pick up the kids." Da, da da da. Frank and Roxy get up. Well, actually, Roxy gets up first, and she starts shooting wildly at these kids. But she is a terrible shot. And eventually, Frank just takes the gun. She's like, "Give me that!" And he starts shooting them and kills all of the kids except for one of them, who was polite. Who was polite and was like shushing her other friends. Thanks for not talking during the feature. Thanks for turning off your cell phone. You're welcome. Yeah, he also shoots the other guy in the face. He's like, "I'm recording this." Oh yeah, yeah. And he just goes pop yeah so then they leave they cut to this moment where they're they're like shopping in like a walmart or something and frank buys a bunch of teddy bears and they go out into the woods and he puts up these teddy bears around trees and he basically uses them as target practice and they have this bonding moment while they're shooting these teddy bears in the woods and and then they have more bonding they're sitting in a motel room and they're watching the, a news report about what happened at the movie theater on the news. And fun fact, during the news report of the theater shooting, at the bottom of the screen, you can read, uh, like, you know how they have uh, the, the scroll take, at yeah. the bottom? They have the scroll at the bottom of the news report. And it's a report about Libyan terrorists and their fouled attempt at obtaining plutonium bars. Which is a nod to the best movie of all time, my absolute favorite movie, Back to the Future. <laughs> so that I, I enjoyed. But we get a good amount of bonding time with Frank and Roxy. They're just sitting around talking about things that they hate and like annoying people and Roxy has a whole rant about uh, Alice Cooper and how much she loves Alice Cooper. And okay, this was weird as fuck. And Fall Out Boy and Green Day, quote unquote, suck shit through 10 bricks, <laughs> which I thought was a funny line. The whole Alice Cooper thing. Like, okay, I, ha- I there's a couple Alice Cooper songs I do like. Yeah, I, you have to talk about this because you're the classic rock guy. Like, don't get me wrong. Alice Cooper, yeah, he is a influential, like guy for rock music punk music like all that stuff i don't know I, I wouldn't expect somebody who was 16 to be like you know what alice cooper without alice cooper we get none of these people okay sweetie like i get it you're angsty and you're mad at the world and you love alice cooper because he's dark and he sings about death and you, frustration and fuck okay the, we get it this character would only know one alice cooper song let's let's call <laughs> this one this and it's the only alice cooper song most kids would know Frankie, what's the song? School's Out. There it is. Forever, yeah. School's Out for Summer. School's Out for Ever. 
it's it's kind of like she's very typical angsty teen situation but just taken to the extreme obviously because you know she's so angsty and so misunderstood that she wants to kill people (laughs) and like for those of you who haven't seen this movie you're probably thinking well didn't she just like tell frank that she's been sexually abused and she comes from a really abusive home life like maybe cut her some slack just hold that thought for a minute (laughs) just hold it hold on to it keep it in the back of your mind and we'll get back to that in just a hot minute now despite me shitting on roxy just now for the past five minutes i will say that i do like the relationship between her and frank mostly because of frank because it's so obvious he even acknowledges the fact i think at one point that like it's not the smartest idea bringing a young teenage girl out on a killing spree with you. However, it's so obvious that he's yearning for a relationship with a daughter type figure. And that's what she she's filling that hole in his life because she he doesn't have that relationship with his daughter. But Roxy understands him, understands too. him and looks up to him and wants to learn from him. You just you feel bad for both of them, kind of, because they're both yearning for some kind of bond that they can't get anywhere else. After these little bonding scenes between them, they happen to see a news report involving that Bill O'Reilly right wing yeah, parody guy. guy. And they're like, him, he's next. So that's what they do. The spree continues and they find this guy running through a park, I, I believe, jogging through the park. Well, I believe it's supposed to be Central Park in New York City. I think so too, which is weird and also. they wing him with two shots and they go up to him and they're like, is he dead? And he points a gun at them. He's like, you guys, well, you, just, you guys kill me for not liking my politics? And <laughs> Frank goes... I actually agree with you on certain things. And Roxy goes, He just wishes everyone would act nice. I, on the other hand, think your politics are shit. Whoa, whoa, what? And then she's like, so exactly what part of his politics do you agree with, Frank? And Frank's like, oh, well, obviously gun control. <laughs> It's hysterical laughing. Yes, that was a good one. My only thing, like, yes, this is supposed to be Central Park. There is zero chance, zero chance that you kill somebody in Central Park. And no, <laughs> no. one comes, no one here, there's no one else around. For you to have a conversation with a guy you shot. You shoot off several shots in Central Park and nothing happens. Yeah, that's another, you know, again, another notch in the, this is all a dream category just saying just saying we're just gonna make it so every movie we ever watch it's all a dream (laughs) everything's a dream (laughs) so the spree the killing spree continues they go off and kill a bunch of crazy religious protesters racists yeah they just kill some random guy who double parks in like a parking lot somewhere it's like all right we're getting a little over it (laughs) Yeah. Over, overzealous here with our with our killing i mean don't get me wrong if you double park like yeah you're a dick but like do you deserve to die i don't think so yeah because it, like if you talk in a movie theater are you an asshole yeah but do you deserve to die eh, 
well, okay. Yeah, exactly. A little, 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 little mu- thin. A little much. A little much there. Roxy has the more of the political agenda here for this movie. Like she makes it very yes. clear that her she has an agenda here. Well, Frank is more. Like, I just want people to be nice. Yeah. And that's like Frank's big message throughout this movie. Whenever he gets like a thing, he's like, I just want people to be nice. Why do you have to be so mean? But I would say that she partly has a political agenda, at least with the Bill O'Reilly guy. But many times throughout the movie, she's just rattling off people she wants to kill because she doesn't like certain things that they do like she she says she wants to kill diablo cody because she didn't like juno well yeah of course like it's you know it's not yeah but she also does the killing of the hate groups uh right like she doesn't shoot the double park guy frank shoots the double park guy i get it i i get it uh also yeah as they're shooting people they keep putting up like news articles like oh, oh obama sent uh hit squad oh yes they're talking about everything being like homegrown terrorism and it's all liberals and it's like bullshit it's but liberals like it's, and obama's fault it's and... again satire on how the media kind of just pits both sides of the aisle against each other and obviously that's prevalent today <laughs> at least oh, that, yeah. that part of it but roxy and frank are sitting in a motel room and Roxy suggests that they move to France and go legit, quote unquote, so they can like move and not get extradited because in France they all hate Americans, so they won't get extradited, which I don't know if that's true because no, it's, it's Europe. Not. It is <laughs> so not true. I, I, I'm not a fucking expert, but I don't think that's true. But anywho, uh, <laughs> I, I believe as part of the, everybody, part of the UN, they're getting extradited right but anyway they yeah she suggests they move to france and get a goat farm and make french cheeses and live the life in france but frank says no to that uh, you know he, he puts that barrier up nice and strong uh he actually after that goes into the bathroom and he calls the the doctor because the doctor had left him a message and he calls the doctor and the doctor, again, being really crass, like I've never seen or heard of any doctor being, just goes, hey, Frank, I got some bad news for you. It turns out you don't actually have a tumor at all. You just you got I got your uh, papers mixed up with another guy who has a similar name as you. And Frank's like, oh, why is that bad news? And he's like, oh, because this other fucking guy is going to sue me. And it's like. Um, yeah, I'm going to sue you too, asshole. <laughs> you fucked it. What? You I was going to kill myself. You made me think I was going to die. And then he just goes on and on, like, cursing and being so crass. And he's like, oh, you're not going to sue me, are you, Frank? And it's like, dude, no doctor would do this. Okay, whatever. Not only that, but he also gives the other guy's name. Oh, yeah, that would also never happen. You know, HIPAA and all that. Hello. But anyway, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme. The point is that Frank doesn't actually have a tumor. So he has this like new lease on life and he's in, sitting in a diner with Roxy. And he's like, you know what? Maybe maybe we could go to France. It sounds nice. You know, we, we can get tickets and go over there and live the good life in France. And she's like, oh, OK, cool. Uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Be right back. She goes to the bathroom 
and this fucking hick ass creepy motherfucker in the next booth leans over to Frank. He's like, "Hey, I know that's not your daughter. How much would you? Uh, how how much is she worth? How, how how much for her? How much for a night? Yeah." And he's like, "Uh, no, you got the wrong idea. That's my niece. You know, uh, fuck off." And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah, I I know what you're doing." So basically, this guy thinks that Frank is a pimp and Roxy is an underage prostitute, which is lovely. <laughs> Whatever. He blows that guy off. And he doesn't he doesn't kill him. Normally, he would have killed him. But he's like, you know what? I, I'm alive. I'm not going to die now. I, I can start a new life. We can go to France and we won't be extradited because I don't know laws anyway <laughs> um so they go back to the motel room and frank is by himself for a second and he is watching the news and he sees a news report about roxy and it's her parents you know tearfully talking about their daughter on the tv being like oh we we just want her to come home they look totally normal they don't look like any crack whores i've ever seen but <laughs> they look like totally normal like middle class suburban people and they just want their daughter back frank is like furious he barges out of the room you know, he sees the guy packing up his car and he follows him to back to his room and fucking just chokes him to death. Yeah, which I think was interesting that because up to this point, every kill that they've done, they've just shot people. Like, it's been very quick. Oh, no, this is very personal. And exactly. He's so angry and hurt and pissed that he just, like, fucking takes it out on this guy and it's, like, very raw and it... Yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked up. And then uh, he goes back to Roxy and he's like, you lied to me. You're just like everybody else. Like, here, take the keys to the car. Go back to your fucking parents. I don't care. I'm going. And he takes the creepy little pedophile's pickup truck and he drives off and leaves Roxy there. And then Roxy drives home. Yeah, later on you see a news report where she's back with her parents and they're taking her to Disneyland and everything's wonderful. And now Frank is doing a gun deal. Oh yeah. That's weird too. That's another notch in the, this is a dream thing because, okay, this guy, Frank, he's just a regular dude. He just works in an office. He has no ties to the criminal underbelly of the of the world. And plus, he's in California now. I guess he's yeah. driven across the country. He's not even in his home state. So, like, how would he just find this arms dealer to sell him an AK forty seven? He buys an AK forty seven off this random guy. That's another notch in the dream thing. I think for two grand. Yeah. Also, I mean, I don't know. I don't know guns. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. So what is Frank's plan here? Why did he buy this AK? We get to the climax of climax. Shit's about to get real. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is where we kind of get really real, especially for 2020 standards. Frank watches on TV at one point in the movie that the kid who's being made fun of for singing poorly before tried to commit suicide. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they, they touch on him several times throughout the movie, but the last report, yeah, it says that he attempted suicide and now he's going to be performing on the finale of American Superstars. That's yeah leading you into this climax here. 
Frank has a whole big thing where he's just decided he's going to go infiltrate American superstars. But he starts killing several backstage people in order to get into the fucking studio. Yeah. And funny little thing that I noticed, at one point he's passing by a kind of like an entertainment reporter backstage talking about the show kind of like an et extra red carpet type person and he's talking into a camera and he's talking about american superstars and he's talking about Lindsay lohan or something and then he mentions he does a line and he says is that sasquatch sitting by the pool or is it robin williams and then frank turns around and shoots him in the face and what I found interesting about that is that they mentioned Robin Williams because Bobcat Goldthwait has talked about many times in interviews and stuff. And he's worked with Robin Williams before. They were really good friends. And I just thought it was interesting that he like name dropped Robin Williams in the movie kind of like as a joke, like making a joke about him. But the second he mentions Robin Williams, Frank turns around and shoots him in the face. <laughs> yeah, there was actually a point where one security guard is like opening the door. And Frank points a gun at them from behind. He goes, I've killed a lot of people. Now, do you want to die because of the show? And he goes, like, dude, I don't even fucking watch the show. And he's like, he's like, that's the right answer. Now you got five seconds. Go. And the guy runs away. But yeah, Frank gets his AK out of the suitcase, turns the corner. And he, uh, after he sees a bunch of people making fun of, again, this clearly mentally handicapped person. Yeah, as he's performing on as stage. As he's performing. And he just blows these four fucking asshole dudes away. Yeah. And he's pointing. He's like, everybody stay still. Nobody move. And one guy tries to run and he pops him in the back. And he's like, I told you not to fucking move. And now if anybody else moves, he opens his Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and he's got a bomb. Strapped around strapped him. All, again, where'd you get that, bro? <laughs> dream. It's all a dream. Because uh, it's not even like, it It looks like a cartoon. Like, it looks like sticks of dynamite. It's not like a, you know, computerized. Th- it's like sticks of dynamite and like a button or something. Yeah. So, Frank decides he's going to kill... Simon Cowell. The Simon Cowell parody guy immediately. He's like, to he says to him, like, stand up. And the Simon Cowell guy in his over-the-top British snooty voice is like, are you serious right now? <laughs> It's like so not. And then he just shoots him dead. And he brings the other two judges up on stage. And he basically holds the gun on them and is like, Dance! Dance until you die! (laughs) Then he like makes them dance to the fucking stupid song that the kid was singing. And he makes the audience boo and laugh at them. And it's like, okay, we get it. And then as a security guard is sneaking up behind Frank... We suddenly see Roxy shoot up out of the audience and warn Frank and he turns around and shoots the security guard. And you're like, what the fuck? Why is Roxy there? Also, again, dream, dream. But also you could make the argument that it's not because the parents in the news report when they were home with her did say they were taking her to Disneyland and where's Disneyland in California California so it's it's plausible but then again not so much but we'll let it go Uh, (laughs) so Roxy is there she goes up on stage 
and she apologizes to Frank for lying to him and she tells him basically that like she just made all that stuff up about her parents because she wanted to go with him on this adventure because her life has been so monotonous and boring and she just wanted something to happen to her and it's like okay we get it small town life is boring but like also it doesn't make you want to kill people so it's the it's a little thin of an excuse yeah yeah but then again it kind of falls in line with her character throughout this whole movie where like she's a pretty immature angsty teen so i'm willing to yeah. Be okay with that. So now we also get the cops kind of come up to the top balcony. Yes, the cops arrive and they're like, what the fuck, Frank? Put the gun down. What do you want? What do you want? And Frank proceeds to do his final little monologue to which is kind the of, TV camera. Which is kind of the same as the monologue from the beginning. Essentially, yes. He, he talks about how selfish and greedy our society is. America has become a cruel and vicious place. What have we become? When we take the, the weakest in our society, we hold them up to be ridiculed, laughed at for our sport and entertainment. Laughed at to the point where they will literally rather kill themselves than live with us anymore. The American Idol kid who they've all been making fun of this whole time, his name is Steven, and he pipes up and he's like, Frank, um, I didn't try to kill myself because people were making fun of me. I tried to kill myself because they weren't going to put me back on TV anymore. And it's like, oh, and you just get like this silence and it's pretty deafening. Frank is so disappointed and he just turns to Roxy and he looks at her and he's like, you are a pretty girl. I just want you to know that. And she's like, thank you, Frank. And he hands her the AK-47. He takes out another gun. And they proceed to shoot Steven, <laughs> the judges, and a whole shit ton of audience members before the cops end up shooting them dead. Yeah. And then we cut to black and the movie's over. So there is an argument. I, I do like the fact that there is an argument to be made that this really happened, but there is also an argument to be made that this is all fake. Now, and he could have just... If, if it didn't cut to black and go to the end credits, and it cuts... Let's say it cut to black and it ended with Frank waking up on the couch, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> the only issue with that is then you make the audience at the end feel like, why did I sit here and watch this movie? I don't think so at all. Well, I do because... Because it's a good look inside this guy's head. It, it is. About how society is fucked with his head. Either whether it really happened or not, it's a look inside this guy's fucking noggin about how society and his own life has fucked with his head. It, it is, but it also... When you do that, the whole, oh, it was just a dream, you start to have people go... Well, why did I sit here and invest my time in this movie or this thing? Listen, there are times where that technique or that twist, quote unquote, doesn't work and it's it falls flat because you're absolutely right. In certain situations, there is a, a feeling of, well, what was the point of all that? But I feel like there would still be a point 
the satirical things that we watch throughout this movie, they still happen. We still experience them, whether it's in this guy's head or whether it really happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it could it, it's the same thing as like the fantasy in the beginning of this film. You know that he didn't actually shoot a baby in midair <laughs> because it was annoying him by crying too much. But by seeing Frank shoot this baby and shoot these neighbors that he was so annoyed by you get a you get a sense of his mental state you get a sense of who he is and how he feels about life in general you know what I mean so you still get the impact of it whether this is a dream or reality I guess yeah it it just sometimes that gets hard to I get you but it's ambiguous I think yeah I, I think it's better leaving it ambiguous did we just make up it's a dream today did we make up that rumor or is that actually a thing i didn't read anything i've just re-watching it i i thought of that so we have now made the conspiracy Bob- about a movie that no one probably cares about <laughs> bobcat if you're listening to this feel free to hit us up on you're tw- you're not listening to this that's okay but if you are feel free to hit us up at shoot the flick on twitter <laughs> or instagram and uh and let us know if we're dead wrong idiots <laughs> mostly me i'm really the one that's signing on to this dream theory scott is very skeptical <laughs> i think it adds a layer <laughs> to the movie that didn't exist before because not for nothing this movie the satire in it is again very in your face simple like it's it's this movie isn't anything very deep let's put it that way yeah so, you know, the dream theory, I think, may add another layer in it that didn't exist before. So if Bobcat would like to sign on to that, feel free to hit me up at Shoot the Flick and let me know what my percentage will be for all ensuing revenue on this film, yeah. which will be very minimal, I'm sure. <laughs> which will be nothing. Uh, so, Bobcat, if you want to come on for an interview, we'll... <laughs> oh, jeez. That would be fun. I actually like Bobcat Goldthwait. I the think same. he's interesting. He, he definitely has a... Cr- interesting career and this movie was interesting to watch again it is very hard to watch it and separate it from the time period we are in now yes but in doing so i understand it is a satire i think both actors do a pretty good job i think frank does the better job yeah okay i'll I'll co-sign on that i think they both did good though i think they both carried it really well they both did carry it very well so i was never bored no definitely not you can't root for frank because frank's a killer yeah you can't you can't or or roxy you can't root for either of these two because it's very in that way it is i think very similar to bonnie and clyde because while bonnie and clyde is a better movie don't get me wrong also kind of butch cassidy and sundance kid yeah uh, it's like you you like watching them because they're entertaining and they're funny and they give out good like little one-liners here and there you know but objectively watching it you know that they're bad people and they may they may not have bad intentions necessarily but they're not good people so stories like that they always are pretty compelling at least to me because it's interesting how a movie can get you to be invested, maybe not necessarily root for, but be invested in characters who are not good people. You, whenever you follow a movie, you do want to root for the people you're 
watching in the movie in general, but yeah, it's harder. Like with Butch Cassidy and Bonnie and Clyde, their charisma lends a big hand in that. Yeah, and like with Frank and Roxy, it's like, yeah, Frank, his, he's fucked up in the head with all the stuff that's been going on in his life, but then again, he's had a lot of bad shit go on in his life, and he doesn't have a good relationship with his daughter, and he lost his wife, and you, you feel bad for that stuff. And then with Roxy, it's like, yeah, she's kind of an obnoxious, angsty immature teen but then at the same time like she does have a certain charm to her also like she's never annoying like she says annoying things sometimes but she's never outright annoying and you do kind of feel bad for her because everyone knows what it's like to be an angsty teen and be feel misunderstood and obviously this is taken to the extreme with her character but you still kind of do feel that for her so it, it's a mixed bag as far as sympathy for these characters which i think is it makes it more interesting and more entertaining to watch yeah definitely who thought bobcat would get his movie compared to bonnie and clyde and <laughs> natural born killers and butch casting the yeah, sundance yeah, yeah. kid uh but i'm also i also want to bring a a quote from alan moore's batman the killing joke all it takes is one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy that's how far the world is from where I am. Just one bad day. Right. Yeah. That's essentially what this is. Yeah. So it's it does it's a very interesting look into how far someone can fall in such a short period of time. But I'm st- I'm having a hard time rating this in my head. What are you thinking? Did you like it? I did like it. Okay. So that's the first step to figuring this out. But there are problems here. Right. I agree. I have this rated as a solid three on Letterboxd because I, I did enjoy it. But like you said, Scott, there are problems here. The main problem I think throughout is the messaging throughout the movie and the satire is really just very overt and beaten over the audience's head continuously. Like the, the messaging isn't bad. And the the concept of the movie isn't bad, but the execution maybe isn't the most efficient. If no. that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 I st- I still think it's worth watching though, just for the the snapshot of that time in our lives. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely an interesting thing to watch. Because I do. I, again, I think the writing is good, but I think in the in the form of a movie. It maybe isn't the best. Exactly. If that makes any sense. <laughs> it, it, it would be interesting because the world has changed so much since 2011. I don't think you could do this type of movie now. You could do something like this, but the satire would have to be a little different. Well, I think... Actually, I'm also now thinking I'm wrong because we did have a movie that did come out fairly recently. The Hunt... Every year, these rich elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us. This is a real thing. They're hunting human beings for a sport. Then you're not human beings. Oh, yeah. Oh, I vaguely remember this. Yes. Uh, so actually, it would be something akin to that in the satire kind, world. Yes. So it, it, it's it's a tough one to kind of 
get a grip on and I kind of want I do want to know other people's opinions of it and how they think about this movie if you've seen it or not so Scott where where do you think you're going to fall with the rating here I'd probably land on a three okay that's but, obviously I feel like that's fair <laughs> but it, it's it's a tough one to be like Ugh. like if you ask me that again in like two three days that might be a 2.5 right so who the fuck knows? I think it's it's kind of like a conversation that we actually were having earlier today off mic, obviously, where it's sometimes more disappointing when you watch a bad movie that had potential to be good. Yeah. Then you're just watching like a shit movie that you knew was down be bad. to the core. Right. This is a movie that I don't think is necessarily bad, but I think it could have been better very yeah. easily. Yeah. If you took some of the heavy handness away and made it a little more subtle. Right. And maybe made the motivations For a little Roxy, more clear. A, yeah. Then it could have worked a little better. But I think that there was potential here. So I can understand why you have the, a wishy-washy kind of feeling about it. it. Yeah, exactly. But I definitely think, especially if you're someone that's our age and our, our 20s or early 30s and you lived through that crazy reality TV boom, I, I feel like it, it's worth watching just to kind of revisit that time. Because it's weird looking back on that and feeling like that was the worst of American society. <laughs> and then you look at 2020 and you look back as like, all the shit that's happened in the last 10 years and you're like oh that was nothing <laughs> we were just prepping for <laughs> more shit to come but um yeah i feel like that's why i think i wanted to watch this movie this week given all the madness that's gone on in the past few days you know with our election and it's it's just been a crazy crazy week <laughs> yeah you can say that again and I don't, you know, some tells me it ain't going to get any less crazy anytime soon. But, you know, hopefully by the time this comes out, Trump has, you know, stopped crying. Maybe a little bit. Who knows? He's got till January. Uh, yeah. So that was God Bless America. And I'm glad we watched it. Now, next week, uh, Scott's going to introduce me to a movie that. It is part of an iconic franchise, one that I really haven't been exposed to very much at all. And we're going to also be honoring a, a fallen film legend who recently passed away. So I, I'm really excited to finally watch this movie. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. And I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. Make sure you check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And please vote for us for best podcast in the Best of Long Island competition. You can vote once every single day. Links will be on our Twitter and Instagram for that. Uh, voting is open till December 15th. So get clicking on that yes. guys and uh, make sure you come back next week for our fantastical maniacal movie adventure bum, bum, bum. <laughs>